Hi everybody, I'm Becky Webber, Operations Director and Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Lead from Tate Recruitment, and you're listening to Tate Recruitment's podcast, Everyone's Got Talent, the show that discusses critical topics affecting business and society and raises awareness of hidden talent, which is going undiscovered to help you create better and more sustainable companies and that provides great work for great people. Each month, we'll talk to experts about their work to help employers reach new talent communities and how they support job seekers in their careers. Inclusion and fairness in the workplace is not simply the right thing to do, it's the smart thing to do. And now more than ever. We hope you can join us on this educational inclusion journey. In this episode, we'll discuss the impact of menopause in the workplace and practical steps to support and attract female employees. Did you know that every woman will experience menopause during their life, generally between the ages of 45 and 55? While 25% will sail through it, 75% will not, with many working through perimenopause and menopause, managing symptoms at work. Our guest, Beth Thorogood, author of The Business of Menopause and founder of Floresco Menopause Training, offers tailored in-person and e-learning training for staff and managers and a six-month programme to create menopause champions within organisations. Bev's expertise, along with my operational insights as a product of her menopause champion training for Tate, will shed light on how business can retain talent and create a more inclusive work environment. So Bev, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. It's lovely to have you on here. It would be great to start with if you could tell us a bit more about yourself and also what motivated you to start Floresco Training. Thank you. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me, Becky. Uh, My journey around menopause started around about seven years ago when I turned 50 and I was gifted my first hot flush on my 50th birthday, which was a treat. Um, And I have to be honest, I knew nothing about menopause. My mum had died when I was 22, so that wasn't a conversation we'd ever had. And if I'm honest, I thought it was just about hot flushes and women getting a bit snappy with their husbands. You know, I was so ignorant, it's untrue. And basically when that hot flush hit, and I thought that was the start of my, uh, you know, the journey through menopause, I was totally unprepared for the the following two years of symptoms that I'd never have associated with menopause. Things like anxiety, fatigue, loss of confidence, brain fog. Nobody had ever spoken to me about those things before. And although we chatted at work with the women that I worked with about menopause, it was still really just about are the hot flushes causing you a problem? So long story short, after two years of really struggling with quite severe symptoms, I ended up resigning. I'd worked for the MOD for 32 years, so long career, most of that working for the Royal Air Force. And I did ask for a period of 12 months special unpaid leave. And uh, because of financial restrictions, that was turned down, which was, uh, I guess it was disappointing at the time, but these things happen for a reason, don't they? So I ended up resigning in March 2018, so just nearly five years ago. And very soon after that, by a weird twist of fate, uh, the head office at Royal Air Force, um, High Wycombe, got in touch and asked if I would deliver some menopause training. There was a bit of a background to that. I'd obviously done lots of research. My background it was in learning and development. So um, they asked me if I would deliver a couple of workshops, which I delivered on World Menopause Day 2018, which is, you know, happens every year. 
And um, that's where the, the whole business started from because I suddenly realized talking to the women in the, the workshop that I ran had about 30 women in there, how ignorant we all are to this. And it's not just, you know, in the workplace, it's not just the men in the workplace or those young women who've never experienced it. It's all of us. None of us get any education around this. And it seemed to me that you can't deal with a problem that you don't even know exists. So I started from that session, you know, from that session with the Royal Air Force, asking around to find out what businesses were doing, if anything, about menopause and found out that five years ago, they weren't doing much. Thankfully, things have changed, um, but that's where the Foresco journey really started. And in that five years, you know, I've been very fortunate to work with some amazing businesses, you know, um, Tate included, um, everything from sort of public sector organizations through to people like Channel 4 and um, large, you know, large corporates, which has been brilliant. And the, the sea change is happening. We are seeing more conversation. But basically, yeah, that was a very long winded answer around how I ended up doing what I'm doing now. Well, the good news is that even though you left the MOD, some good came from it. You know, it's quite ironic, isn't it, that they asked you back to do the training, but that's where it all began. And we're very grateful that it did, Bev. So, you know, and and I'm very grateful that um, I've learned from you too. So in terms of Floresco's mission, what what actually is it? What's your sort of purpose behind it? We know the, the reason why you set it up, but what's the purpose behind what you want to achieve? I have a very simple mission, and that's to make menopause mainstream. You you mentioned it in the introduction. We need to make it a normalised conversation without any stigma, without any embarrassment around it. We need to make it to the, to a, a conversation that can be had without fear of it being career limiting or that you're going to be judged negatively it needs to be as mainstream as saying, I've got a broken foot and I need a bit of support while it mends. And at the minute it's not, but we're getting there. Absolutely. And we are. And we are. <laughs> so for the benefit of the audience, it'd be really good if we could give um, an overview of what menopause actually is. Um, so can you just describe what, what is menopause? Absolutely. So menopause is, it, it's, literally just the stopping of our monthly periods. It's the point at which we're no longer able to reproduce. Our periods have stopped. It's classed as 12 months from the date of our last period. So menopause itself is just a day. It's the day 12 months from the date of somebody's last period, which sounds very easy, but it's actually quite difficult for a lot of women to know when that has happened. Um, So when we think about menopause and the impact of menopause, actually, we, we're talking about perimenopause, which is the lead up to menopause. It's the point at which the the ovaries begin to shut down, our sex hormones begin to decline. And that normally happens somewhere between three to four years, maybe up to as much as 10 or 12 years before somebody actually is period free and has reached menopause. So I guess you can you can look at our reproductive lifespan in stages. We've got sort of prepubescent before we start our periods we hit puberty and our periods start we're pre-menopausal all of the years that we're just in our normal reproductive years we hit perimenopause the ovaries begin to shut down we reach menopause when the periods stop and then from that date onwards we're post-menopausal until the day we we leave this mortal coil so there's quite clear sort of demarcations in our reproductive life cycle but menopause is that time when the, the reproductive system is shutting down. 
And from an employer's and a line manager's perspective, what's the information they need to know about menopause in the workplace? What's, what's What would be most helpful for them? I think the biggest um, bit of information is that it's not what you might think it is. It's not just an older woman's issue. It's not just something that affects women in their mid to late 50s. As you said in your introduction, menopause itself, that point at which the periods stop, for most women, about 95% of women will happen somewhere between 45 and 55. But actually, there's a lot of assumptions we make. One is that it only affects women, when in reality, anybody who's ever owned a set of ovaries, regardless of how they identify um, now, so transgender, non-binary people, if they've had periods at any time or if they've you know, were born with female uh, genitalia, they're likely to experience menopause. So that's an assumption we need to move away from. But also menopause actually could happen at any age. About one in a hundred women reach menopause under 40, about one in a thousand under 30. And it can be as young as sort of teenagers, early twenties. So I think the biggest um, bit of information I would want to get across to employers is don't make the assumption that this is an older woman's issue. This can affect anybody um, at any age. And it's not just a female issue either. Yeah, very good point. And I'm glad you said that because absolutely it's, uh, you know, we have these assumptions, which we will move on to um, shortly into the conversation. Um, so again, from a employer's perspective, because we're talking about how line managers can support people through this stage of their life. Um, What are the most common symptoms um, that impact those transitioning menopause at work? Yeah, I think we're all unique. You know, everybody's got to experience it differently. Um, But there are some themes that seem to come through. And I think hot flushes, we've, we've got to mention them. You know, a lot of women find that the hot flushes are quite debilitating. But often hot flushes don't appear until quite late in the perimenopausal journey. Um, the, the, the common ones, I think, that are sometimes misdiagnosed or, mis- or not recognized as menopause are things like increased levels of anxiety, getting anxious about things that maybe you'd not been anxious about before, speaking in public, standing up in meetings, driving on the commute to work, those sort of things that people have taken for granted can suddenly become problematic. Uh, so anxiety is an issue, low mood, mood changes. Uh, But fatigue, insomnia and fatigue leading to exhaustion. There's an awful lot of changes happening biologically as we go through perimenopause, um, which can lead to tiredness. It can mess up your sleep. So, yeah, basically things like the psychological symptoms. You can kind of categorize the symptoms, Becky, into three areas. You've got physical symptoms, the psychological and emotional symptoms, and cognitive symptoms. And I think one of the the areas that affects women in the workplace more than anything are the cognitive changes. So we we tend to use the term brain fog. um, But what does that actually mean? For a lot of women, it's a loss of concentration, finding it very difficult to focus on complex information. It's memory issues, not remembering simple words. And, And of course, if you're standing up giving a presentation or you've got a brief somebody in a meeting and suddenly you lose your concentration, you lose your focus, you can't remember the words you want to say. It can be incredibly um, embarrassing. You can start to feel like you're losing competence. So brain fog, I think, is one of the biggest symptoms along with anxiety, 
fatigue and the hot flushes, of course. But there are lots of others, you know, things like aching joints and muscle soreness can make sitting down at a desk for long periods difficult. Uh, urinary tract changes can mean that you need more frequent breaks to go to the loo. It's very hard to define exactly what's going to cause the biggest problem. But I would say the, the ones to really be aware of are the cognitive and the psychological symptoms. That's really insightful, Bev. Thank you very much for sharing that. So let's talk about the impact of menopause on the workplace then. In another episode of Tate's podcast, we discussed with Lindsay Simpson, the founder of 55 Redefine, the impact of an increasingly ageing population and the need to look after our older workforce. And just to stress the reality of the effect of an ageing population, I'm going to throw in a few statistics here. Um, By 2030, according to the Centre for Economics and Business Research, so the CEBR, the proportion of over 50s in the UK workforce will reach a record high of 47%. That's only a few years away. And by 2050, our working age population um, will reduce by 25%. So we've got two factors playing against each other there. So when you consider, as I've alluded to before, that women make up nearly half of the workforce and 75% of women aged between 45 and 55 will experience menopause symptoms, it's evident that menopause is a workplace issue that businesses can ill afford to ignore. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, the impact here is we know that we're leaching talent at this menopausal Um, phase in in women's lives. I'm going to say women, not because I want to be exclusionary here, but we have data about women. We have very little data about the transgender community. So um, I will sort of use the word woman, but I hope that's um, sort of understandable. So we are leaching really quite valuable female talent at the point they, they reach this perimenopausal stage. Different studies have given different numbers. I think it's very hard to be precise about how many women are actually leaving the workforce. I think the force at society said one in 10, which equates in the UK to around about 333,000 women. Um, A report by um, Bupa put that number at 900,000. That's quite a big difference. I I think it's hard to define exactly how many, but the impact is you're that businesses, if they don't recognize and support women, are actually likely to be losing some of their top talent. You're talking about women who've probably been employed for 25, 30 years. They've built up a huge amount of experience and knowledge and skill. And that knowledge and skill and experience doesn't disappear because we're menopausal. It might it might be clouded by uh, brain fog and a bit of uh, a lack of confidence, but it's still there. And if businesses aren't um, open to the fact that they need to support people through this transition, they're going to lose them and not get them back. A little bit of support in the middle means that by the time we get out of menopause or we get through this phase, we come back into the workforce, not only with that same level of experience, knowledge, skill and talent, but actually with far more valuable because we've got fewer distractions and all of that experience and wisdom. So I think it doesn't make sense to write women off when they hit menopause. We've got so much to bring to the table still. 100%. (laughs) 
I'm one of those women. (laughs) Um, And I've got so much more to give without a doubt. And I um, also know um, from an operational perspective that there is a massive business benefit of prioritising menopause on the people agenda because it impacts productivity, attrition, well-being, employee engagement, and also absenteeism as well. And when we consider um, we are in an ageing population, um, we're going to have more women, transgender people, um, experiencing menopause, traveling through our workforces. Um, and so those numbers will grow. And so being um, proactive and having plans and actions and uh, support strategies in place will have will play out and be so beneficial further down the line when we have other issues that we're trying to, when we're trapped, you know, we other issues that we're challenged by, which is finding and retaining talent, which is the, the core of, of the success of any business. Um, let's be honest. So Bev, you're aware, I know that I shared my menopause story, um, funny enough on International Women's Day last year, which was the 8th of March. And I did so with our head of culture and our head of people. At the time of sharing, talking about menopause was reliant on having a good relationship with your manager and whether you felt comfortable asking for support. And thankfully, I always have. So I, I feel very fortunate. So whilst I'm lucky, I wanted to raise the topic in case some people might be struggling in silence without the support they needed to thrive because you can thrive through menopause with the right support. But societal stigmas made me nervous about raising the issue. Um, I needn't have worried because the conversation went exceptionally well, but it has made me consider that others might not share their story because of judgment. Um, and I think that's you know a fact. Um, for us in Tate, great things have happened since. Um, And while menopause is being talked about more of late, stigmas and taboos do not disappear overnight, as we very well know. But in your experience, what common perceptions do you still see and hear about menopause? I think that exactly as you've just said, this this fear that um, you're going to be judged, that by opening up, people are going to see you differently. People are going to judge you differently. I think a lot of women fear that if they open up about what they're going through it's going to put the brakes on their career they may be overlooked for promotions they it may not help them if they're going for for jobs you've already talked about ageism I would love to think it didn't exist but I think it does um we we talked offline about the the difficulties of of, the, the recruitment process for for older people anyway so um I think that the 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 feeling I get from most women that I speak to is, well, they seem to sit in two camps. We've got people like yourself who are willing to talk. Yes, there might be a bit of bravery needed to step out and talk about it, but the cause is good enough. There are others who maybe their own upbringing has always meant that anything female related, anything to do with the sort of the female reproductive system, periods or anything like that, we just don't talk about. So Bev, let's talk about what employers can do. What practical and actionable steps can employers take to ensure their people feel supported and to retain their people through menopause? Yeah, I think there's a number of things. There's certainly best practice out there. Um, if you read anything from people like the Chartered Institute for Personal Development, they they put forward some best practice. Um, 
in, in simple terms, you know, sometimes just having some sort of guidance, uh, documentation or um, a, a policy, perhaps, if it's the right fit for the organisation. I'm not sure a formal policy always is, but having some form of handbook or guide or a page on a, an internet site that gives some direction, uh, I think does a number of things. First of all, it gives a very clear message that the organisation at least acknowledges that menopause is an issue. Um, it also gives line managers, HR managers direction as, as to how to um, potentially deal with somebody and manage somebody if they are struggling. Um, and it also gives colleagues the, the, the reassurance that they've got somewhere that they can go to to get information. So I think a policy or guidance is, is good. Um, it's not, I don't think it's a starting point. Um, I think training, of course, I'm a trainer, so I, I, I see this as a, a high priority. But for me, my lack of education was the biggest issue I had in sorting myself out, actually, because, you know, it's not all about relying on the organization to, to put everything in place, but we don't get educated anywhere else. So the workplace seems like a very sensible place to start educating people. 80% of those experiencing menopause are in work. So the workplace seems like a good option. So training for managers, so they understand what menopause is, maybe start to break down some biases and assumptions. Um, training as well for HR teams, maybe, so they understand what what is. Things like, where does menopause fit within the um, Equality Act? Is it, is, the, is it covered by health and safety law? These things aren't always um, explicit. So training HR teams and what have you to understand what the implications are if they get this wrong is helpful. But also, of course, training colleagues to understand what they're going through and what treatment options and um, support they can be asking for and what they can do to help themselves as well. So a policy, training, and then really doing what you're doing, making it a, a conversation that is open. I think one of the, the most impactful things that can happen is for senior managers, especially female managers, to be a bit vulnerable and share what they're going through. Because if people at the top are open, it gives the message that those um, at lower grades or lower levels will be equally supported if they open up about it. You can't underestimate the, the impact of seeing senior leaders talking about this. And I think that comes down to kind of creating the right culture. Uh, so training, talking about it, having resources readily available. Um, you mentioned menopause champions. I think sometimes having people embedded within an organization that people know, they, they, they've had a bit, maybe a bit of extra training. They've got a bit more knowledge. They're able to signpost in, you know, to further um, resources that can be helpful as well. And then, of course, we've got reasonable adjustments, so workplace adjustments and workplace adaptations. Most of the um, sort of adjustments that will be helpful for those experiencing menopause are fairly simple, fairly cheap, normally cost neutral. You know, it, it, they don't cost anything. So being, uh, I guess... When it comes to reasonable adjustments, organizations need to be um, enabling managers to have the ability to have some level of autonomy over how they support 
their teams um, and not have to jump through lots of hoops to get somebody a 10 quid desk fan, for example. So looking at pro- they can look at processes and look at systems to see if they're menopause friendly. So it, it is practical stuff, really. It's not, um, it, it's not expensive, I don't think, to, to start to make a difference. I completely agree. And um, from an operational perspective, like I said at the beginning, you know, um, I've I've been leading the menopause um, movement, if you like, within Tate um, for over a year now. And like with anything, it always feels a bit overwhelming to start with. Um, But there's an awful lot you can do by talking to other businesses, um, networking with organisations that may be a, a few steps ahead of you to learn about how they've implemented Um, certain procedures or uh, processes or awareness or whatever it might be um, so that you can um, piggyback if you like on the back of that and then obviously pass that knowledge on as you you learn too and I've certainly done that and um, one of the biggest things that I did at the beginning was rally um, supporters in fact I didn't really have to try very hard because it's funny when you open up your mouth about something that's important to other people um, they come willingly towards you so you if you can build a team of people and ideally um across different um business operational areas so that includes you know the hr team the people team maybe the legal team um you know your front-facing team um from all levels then you have everyone's the opportunity to hear a lot more people's voices if you like um and so um you can together achieve so much more Um, but certainly from Tate's perspective we've accelerated our movement not only um, from the amazing training uh, of the six months menopause champion training I've had from Bev um, but also from networking within the group that Bev teaches um, and also beyond that as well with other organizations so it's just being brave enough to reach out and have informational chats with other organizations to learn from them which you can do on any topic and to accelerate knowledge and to become stronger and better and, and, and create more robust procedures or whatever. I just wanted to say that, that I think, sadly, there are a few organisations who are, they're putting on training or they're doing something maybe once a year for International Women's Day or for Menopause Awareness Day in October. They'll put on a training, they'll throw a webinar in there and I run webinars. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's not enough. It's just a conversation starter. Um, a tick box, yes, we've done the webinar for menopause, that's that done. Or, or any other subject that has you know, a, a big impact. You can't just throw on a webinar and say we've done menopause. It has to be, it has to be more strategic than that. It has to be more integrated. I think there's a danger that if you're not careful as an organization, you can think you've done something and actually not done much at all. And some of the feedback, we've we've certainly run webinars, one-off webinars for companies. And um, it's not my preferred way of doing things. Not that I think they need to bring me back and back and back, but I should. The, our training should be the springboard for other things happening within the organization. Um, and I've had... So women who've come and joined my Facebook group after a webinar that I've run for a, a company and they've fed back to me, do you know what? Six months later, that's all we've had. Nobody ever mentioned it again. We feel like they gave us the information and then we're, we're still left with 
with nothing. Um, and of course, that that's frustrating because now those those people have got a bit of a knowledge and they want the support and feel like they can't tap into it because nothing else is happening. And I know that's not the way you've done things at uh, at Tate. You've you've taken that starting point, which was you know your your opening up on on your video, but you've continued the conversation. You've continued to make st- uh, sort of steps towards keeping that conversation alive. And I think that's the danger that a lot of businesses will will make is thinking it's a one and done. Yeah, I agree. We're just in the process of just finishing off our menopause toolkit, so we've opted away from the policy but more practical toolkits that managers can use. And I think the other point I'm just going to make before we kind of wrap up the session today is that you don't need to be an expert. And I think there's that fear as a line manager that you need to know the ins and outs of everything to be able to do a great job and support a a member of your team. Um, If you have enough knowledge um, to be able to signpost people to the right resources to help them, but also to put the adjustments in if appropriate, that don't need to cost anything in the vast majority of cases to make someone's life easier um, and to enable them to perform so that the symptoms don't impact their performance within the workplace um, so greatly, then you're doing an amazing job and you should commend yourself on doing a real, you know, that's amazing. So um, don't think for a minute you have to be an expert. You don't. Um, And um, that that was one of the points I was just going to make because there is always that fear. So Bev, thank you so much for sharing uh, such insightful information. I've got one final question for you and we're going to fast forward, if you can imagine fast forwarding to the future. And I asked the same question of all my guests on our podcast, which is, can you describe what success looks like for you in 10 years time? Mm. So I think ideally we won't be, t- I'll, I'll be out of a job, so I won't be do- talking about menopause because that will all have been sorted and we'll everybody will be perfectly comfortable talking about menopause. I think there's an awful lot of hormonal changes that we're starting to realize impact women because we're cyclical more than men. Um, And I think one of those is things like ADHD and neurodiversity. And I think in 10 years time, in an ideal world, the next conversation that will have been addressed and uh, looked at in the same way that we're, we're seeing the movement in menopause will be the impact of hormones and, and neurodiversity. So in 10 years time, I would like to think that good research has been done into the impact of hormonal changes on women in all areas of their life, because I think neurodiversity, menopause, and all of those are the conditions that you talked about already, things like endometriosis, will have the research that they deserve. Thanks so much, Bev, for sharing your valuable insights and expertise with us today. It's been incredibly insightful and thought-provoking, and I'm sure our listeners have gained huge amounts from it. Thanks for having me, Becky. It's my pleasure. To help you digest all the information we've shared with you today, we have prepared a one-page document summarising the key takeaways from today's episode and providing links to Bev's website and additional resources. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and found it informative. And if you did, please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving us a review. Sharing it with friends and colleagues is also a great way to spread the word. So thanks for tuning in and we look forward to bringing you more insightful discussions in the future. If you'd like a copy of the top tips from today's episode, please go to www.tate.com dot co dot uk forward slash
podcast. Thank you.